Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you stepping in my way, boss, when I build still and you stay soft, you're going to punk out when we face off. Rumble, they going to take your face off. They going to rumble. They going to take your face off. They going to rumble. They going to take your face off. They going to rumble. They going to take your face off. They going to rumble. They're a young man. They rumble. Run up, get a combo quickly. Help and you with that, welcome humble. back to another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Jordan McGee, Daniel Hahn here with you. Free agency hasn't started, but ooh, sparks have been flying. Trades have been made. Players are being cut. Um, the offseason's in full swing. And uh, next week, free agency officially begins. Some major, major moves that we're going to talk about that have now impacted the AFC and the Bills' potential road to a Super Bowl. Um, some Bills doing some of their own in-house cleaning Daniel, uh, we are in March, and baby, it is madness, not for basketball reasons, but we're about to get into free agency, and it's already chaos and huge news across the NFL this week. Yeah, there's been some uh, earthquake-sized trades that have happened, and and, you know, we focus on the bills here quite a bit. And we talked last week, you know, they're six million under the over the salary cap. They're going to make some moves before free agency. Free agency, Jordan, less than a week away. We can start tampering on Monday. Isn't that exciting? That's kind of the, the fun time. I think it's Monday or Tuesday. But, you know, you're going to see also a lot of these trades are financially driven. A lot of the releases financially driven. So while the bills are over the cap and they made some moves that we're going to get ready to talk about to get under the cap. They're not the only team trying to kind of long-range recover their salary cap. Other teams have made some pretty pretty sizable trades, but then also a lot of these cuts are pretty sizable too, which they are every year, but this is before free agency. So, so we're getting right into the thick of it. So, Jordan, I am doing well. March Madness is also going on. So it's a very, very fun time to be a sports fan, even though there's no baseball. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely no baseball. I'm not sad about that. I'm not going to lie. I do not like baseball. I hate mm-hmm. burning passion. But, you know, I hope for your sake uh, that baseball and your Cleveland Guardians, now Guardians, will get to actually play uh, this season. But that remains to be a different conversation for a different day. But, uh, you know, uh, we're right into it. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of rumors, too. Uh, with the Bills' free agency, potential uh, names that might be coming to Buffalo that we're going to talk about here a little later. Um, But I'm excited. Free agency again next week. It's going to be madness, and it's going to be very interesting to see what the Bills will do, and they're already making moves ahead uh, right before the start of free agency. Yeah, so let's talk about that before I discuss with you if it's okay to change from Guardians to Blue Jays fanhood. But that's Mm, another story. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Let me this way. When you have greedy owners like all sports do, but especially baseball, you start questioning, you know, do I really have to stick with this crappy team? Just, you know, whatever. Anyway, the Bills news now. The Bills made two sizable cuts to get themselves under the salary cap, and those were backup linebacker A.J. Klein was released earlier this week, and then guard, offensive guard, 
slash center John Feliciano was also released. Noteworthy on Feliciano, it sounds like the team approached him about restructuring his deal. Um, instead, he is taking the outright release and going to test his market elsewhere. You know, both of these guys, you could argue, are reserves. Feliciano, question mark. But no doubt over the last two to three years, each of them, they have added a significant element and significant value to this franchise. A.J. Klein, notably, filling in for Matt Milano all of not just last season, but the year prior Milano was out for quite some time. Your run-stuffing linebacker, he was able to do a little more over time. I think it took them a while to get adjusted to him on the field as much. But a guy, Jordan, you know, he, he came in as a reserve linebacker. I think you got a lot of value off of him because he got a lot of playing time. He didn't considerably hurt you. I know there's stuff and been some moments where you're like, oh, my God, why is A.J. Klein on a tight end? He can't keep up. That's just not his style. But definitely a very good signing in the aftermath of what he was able to provide this team. John Feliciano, another guy who is going to be missed for different reasons. You know, A.J. Klein, you're going to need to fill in that run-stuffing linebacker and a guy who you trust to back up Edmonds and Milano should one of them get injured. For Feliciano, he's kind of that nasty that the Bills need on the offensive line since uh, Richie Incognito left. When he was on the field, the run offense and the offensive line in general seemed to play a lot better, a lot more ferocious when he was off the field dealing with injuries. I, I felt it. I felt that they just weren't a complete unit. Maybe it's just as simple as you're moving guys to different spots to make up for it, but you know they're going to have to find, in my opinion, someone who to bring out that nasty element that offensive lines typically need to be a good running offense or to at least dominate the line of scrimmage. He had that. He may not have been the best offensive lineman in the world, but he definitely brought that edge that we'll, you know, we'll talk about with him kind of defending Josh Allen in other instances, but you're going to need to find someone who's going to have that edge on the offensive line to replace him. Yeah, so with A.J. Klein first, I mean, I'm not so surprised. I mean, listen, he was very um, capable when he filled in, right? He was a really great run defender um, in the passing game, not not so much. Um, you know, so it, it certainly is like, you know, you're, you're losing a, a good chunk of depth. But again, that's the trust in Milano and Edmonds, right? Um, and also maybe where they might be looking towards a linebacker at some point in this draft and or free agency to, uh, you know, fill that sort of need. Uh, Feliciano, I was a little bit surprised about. I was a little bit kind of like, okay, uh, not overly shocked, but a little bit sort of like, okay, what's the plan going forward here? Because I know um, Feliciano definitely, you know, had his shortcomings sometimes, but was a very crucial piece, like you said, that sort of nasty kind of aggression on the offensive line, which sometimes was lacking, especially this past season. Um, so it's a little bit like, okay, like a little bit of a, I, I raise my eyebrow sort of a move. Um, you know, is it the biggest loss? No. Is it the most shocking cut? No. But it's a little bit like, I... Would have loved to see him back, but I guess he is going to take his talents elsewhere, which then leads me to kind of question, okay, so they've saved a couple of money, come some money now. You know, what is this plan going forward for the Bills? Um, You know, in terms of, okay, they have a little bit of extra cap space now. Um, Not a lot. You know, maybe they freed up about, what, I think five to seven million dollars in cap space with both of the moves, essentially. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, AJ Klein was five point one million, and Felice Allen was three point four. Okay, so about eight million. So they have a little, they have a little over eight million uh, in terms of extra cap space they have. Which, okay, it's it's not a lot, but it's it's something um, to bring in a, a free agent on the cheap uh, in terms of maybe replacing Feliciano. But a little bit concerning. Um, I am hopeful, and I trust Brandon Bean and company that they have a plan in terms of how they're going to go about free agency. Um, but losing, Fle- cutting Feliciano was a little bit like an eyebrow sort of, I don't necessarily agree with this move, but I'm going to have trust in the process that they know what they're going to do here. Exactly. You're trusting the process. And, and it, unfortunately, it's not about on-field play this time of year. I mean, this is about getting the salary cap to get in position to get different players to to get you over the top. And one of the ways that this roster is going to change is with the depth. We're used to, you know, first string, very strong second string. Man, these guys are pretty darn good third string. Hey, these guys got potential. But now that you're play, paying a Josh Allen what you're planning to pay him, you exercise it all, Ed Oliver's uh, fifth-year option. That's $10.7 million against the cap. You're paying Stephon Diggs. You're paying... Uh, Deion Dawkins and Tredavious White and, and Matt Milano, you just paid last year. So you have to look at this roster a little differently. It's going to be thinner because you're paying more to the first stringers and, and you're going to have to require yourself to get like those, those linebackers you haven't asked a lot of, like maybe the Medikaviches who've only played special teams primarily or the Dodsons who, you know, they're, you drafted them. Let's see what they got. Now they got to come in and, and maybe replace them. what a veteran was once doing. They got to step up and produce. John Feliciano, I am surprised by him. I'm not surprised by the fact they won that $3.4 million. I am surprised they cut him strictly because he was versatile. He could play guard and center. Now you're looking for someone to kind of fill that kind of rotational role as a backup. The Bills love versatility. So we got to see what they come up with. There's options. There's internally, they think they have something with Spencer Brown. They like what Daryl Williams did, the guard position. There's a free agent that also got released. That's an interesting name, Roger Saffold of the Titans. Uh, he was cut today by Tennessee. How much money is he going to command will be interesting, but that is a all-pro instant starter and someone who has a, a history having played for Bill's offensive line coach Aaron Cromer for two years. So, you know there's familiarity from Cromer's perspective, but it all comes down to money, and that's what this time of year is about. I am a little surprised that I need the money. That, that Unfortunately, that's where we are with this team. Guys like Cole Beasley, I'm still waiting to see if he gets a trade or if he gets cut or if it's a restructure. Stephon Diggs, restructure, definitely. Starla Tuole, we're kind of anticipating, will probably be cut at some point, too. It, unfortunately, Jordan, it's not about performance as much as it is like we need this money because we have decisions to make with Tremaine Edmonds. We have decisions to make with name, favorite free agent that you want or trade that you want. Um, they need the money. And, and unfortunately, the two cuts gave them $8.5 million. They got them under the salary cap, and that allowed them to make a re-signing, Jordan, and that is Jake Tumoreau. <laughs> he is back with the Bills, signing a one-year deal. Touchdown Jesus mm-hmm. has returned I know that Aaron Rodgers, we'll talk about him when we get to around the NFL segment, but you know, I wonder if an Aaron Rodgers contract clause, he said bring back Jake Tumoreau, the fact that they didn't, 
the fact that Bills locked him up, maybe that's why Rodgers had to send that tweet, like, I haven't actually signed yet. There's some, you know, we got dots and eyes with Kumaro, that guy, but, you know, you can't re-sign even as cheap as Jake Kumaro might be. You can't re-sign if you don't make those other two cuts, but Jake Kumaro keeps the wide receiver depth going, and he is back with the Bills for another year. You know, glad that Jake Kumaro's in the mix because he's always going to have his one touchdown every season. People will be reminded that Jake Kumaro is still, in fact, on the Buffalo Bills. Um, listen, he's mainly a special teams contributor. Um, he uh, is a fascinating character in terms of the development of the Aaron Rodgers saga, how he was kind of roped into this a little bit. But... Um, Listen, he's still a valuable member. I think he's, you know, a guy that can be used when needed in case of injuries. Uh, His contributions come with the special teams, which is not something that we usually consider or think about when it comes to Kumaro. But it's a one-year cheap deal. Why not? He certainly can be valuable in a pinch in terms of if you need a guy to come into the game. Um, Also, uh, having someone on your team that's named Touchdown Jesus is also nice, and uh, the fans flip out when Kumaro scores a touchdown. Again, he he's due for one every season, and uh, you know it's nice to see that I, that I'm reminded when he scores a touchdown. I'm like, all right, Jay Kumaro's still on the Bills. Yeah, touchdown Jesus is alive and well. He is resurrecting another year with the Bills, and we will see what he does. He did get on offense a few times this year. You know, again, the hype train for him because of his preseason performances between Green Bay and even Buffalo kind of get him a little bit of a folk war, but he is a good reserve guy with some size and some separation abilities, not a lot of speed, good hands, but he's trusted when he's out there. So, again, you're looking to upgrade everything, but you can't lose the depth because injuries can happen anywhere. Jake Camaro knows this offense and familiar with Josh Allen. It's a really good re-signing. And like he said, contributes to special teams, can never – fully overlook what special teams importance is for the Buffalo Bills. That being said, Jordan, the Bills had no franchise tags. We've not been uh, shocked with this whatsoever. Uh, so no franchise tags for the Buffalo Bills. A few other teams have exercised them. But free agency officially starts, let me get my dates out, March 16th. That means tampering is March 14th, which is when you start getting all the social media buzz about who signed where. Um, but nothing official till March 16th because asked the Jets, who was it, was it Eric Kendricks that signed with them, quote-unquote, tampering, and then went back to get jumped over by Josh Allen um, to Minnesota. So nothing official till the 16th. But that being said, Jordan, you can still make trades right now, and you still need to position yourself to have money available to sign players on the 16th. And that's why teams, not just the Bills, are cutting people and trading people. Let's start with the uh, big elephant in the room, and then we'll bring it back to the Bills a little bit. There was a big trade. Two (laughs) AFC contenders have now uh, shuffled their quarterbacks, first one being the Denver Broncos have officially (laughs) traded for Russell Wilson. Um, Jordan, the price tag for this was steep in my estimation. You gave up two first-rounders, two second-rounders. You gave up a fifth-rounder, but you get a fourth-rounder back. That that'll, that little swap there is always fun and interesting. Like, I'm sure they were worried about that little last caveat forever. But then they gave up a couple of players. They gave up, um, I believe, Chris Harris, Shelby, Shelby Harris, the defensive end. They gave up Drew Locke, quarterback. They gave up tight end Noah Fant. Um, they, didn't, they didn't give up nothing to get – Russell Wilson, and also that pick that they gave up this year in the first round is a top-10 pick. 
but Russell Wilson to the Broncos, and you look at Cortland Sutton, you look at Jerry Judy, you look at the running game, um, the defense is still there. Denver automatically now becomes a playoff contender, and I guess I will take this one first. My perspective on this trade, because it does impact the Bills, because this is part of their road to get to the Super Bowl, to go through all of these teams. I'm not that worried about this, but I will think that it might actually help Buffalo in the long run. Yes, the AFC West has legitimately three, I'll say three teams that are definitely contenders to make the playoffs every single year with the Chargers, Chiefs, and Broncos. The Raiders made it last year. No one's talking about them, but still wait and see what they're doing with Josh McDaniels, but I'm sure Josh McDaniels having second thoughts about his choice now. But I am thinking that this helps the Bills in that that division probably going to beat each other up a little bit. That might be the difference in going to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs versus the Chiefs coming to Buffalo to play the Buffalo Bills, which would be the benefit long-term for the Bills in this trade. Yeah, so my reaction to this was, oh, bleep, a little bit, because the AFC did get crowded. Now, you brought up a great point of, like, that division, they're going to eat each other alive, essentially, right? You got Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and now Russell Wilson. I mean, that division is by far and away the best division in football right now, um, just from the quarterbacks alone. Um, I think that when you look at the landscape of the AFC, right, the AFC West is completely loaded. The Bills are still going to be favorites to win the AFC East. The Patriots are right there as playoff contenders. The AFC North, you got the Bengals. The Steelers are rebuilding. The Ravens are questionable. The Browns are questionable. And then you look at the AFC South, you've got the Titans and the Colts who are going to be solid contenders. And then the Jaguars and Texans are, you know, are not. Um, so when you're looking at it, you're looking at, you know, I would say in terms of the entire AFC West, that's four teams. AFC South, you got two right there, which is six. Um, you've got the Bengals, which are seven, and the Bills and uh, Patriots make about eight and nine, right? So it's going to be pretty crowded and more important for the Bills to win the division more than ever um, because those are just teams that off the bat, I'm like, probably playoff contenders. Um, you most likely make the playoffs. And that is nine teams and there's only seven spots. So um, it's going to be a tough tough battle now in the AFC. You got the emergence of Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson coming now to the Broncos. Um, mind you, this is also, this Russell Wilson news was on the same day um, as the Aaron Rodgers news, which we'll get to. So Broncos fans were kind of thrown for an emotional roller coaster um, the other day. Um, but it is going to make this road much, much tougher uh, for the Bills. Now you basically, you know, the Broncos are in the mix now. I don't know if they're Super Bowl contenders, but uh, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Like you said, Cortland Sutton, you know, KJ Hamler, I think is going to have to have a breakout year. So watch out for him in fantasy football. Uh, keep a name on for that. Um, the Broncos are going to be a team that's going to be dangerous. Um, are they contenders for Super Bowl? I wouldn't go that far yet. Um, but uh, yeah, the AFC just got a lot more crowded and a lot more difficult as if it wasn't already. Yeah, I'm just looking for Russell Wilson and the Broncos to take a few wins away from the Chargers, take a few wins away from the Chiefs. Again, they only play them twice a year, but like you said, it makes the road a lot harder for them. There, if any of those teams have dry spells, like everyone has a, a down period. You know, the Broncos are not as much of a pushover. Not that they were typically last year, but they 
they definitely won't be with Russell Wilson. They'll be competitive, and that will be a tough matchups uh, moving forward. The other interesting piece of this, too, is the Colts, the team that came into Buffalo, basically stomped the crap out of the Bills with Jonathan Taylor. Their quarterback, Carson Wentz, didn't even throw for like 80 yards, and they just won by 30 points easily. Well, they traded Carson Wentz, and they traded him to the Washington Commanders, still working on getting used to that. Uh, somehow, some way, the Colts got two third-rounders and maybe a second for someone to take Carson Wentz off of their hands, which, good Lord, I don't know what other teams have been watching. Maybe it's just that he once was an MVP candidate, but the commanders take Carson Wentz and hope that's an upgrade over Taylor Heineke, pay him $22 million, lose a couple of picks. The Colts now have an empty quarterback position unless you're, like me, kind of all in on Sam Ellinger from Texas getting some more run. Highly doubt that's going to be the case. But the reason this impacts the Bills, they didn't need a quarterback basically to beat Buffalo in Buffalo last year because they have Jonathan Taylor. The Colts now are a team that you're looking at Mitchell Trubisky, Jimmy Garoppolo. There's been rumors around these parts of Jordan Love, uh, the draft. Um, They are an interesting team because they have everything – but a quarterback, and they probably need a few more skilled players, but with Jonathan Taylor, you don't need a lot. What are your thoughts on the Colts trade? Did they, I mean, yes, you still got to wait and see who they fill that quarterback position with, but it feels like they got better because they got some draft capital, unloaded some cap. They are the team with the most cap space, I believe, entering free agency. Them and the Jets have the most, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Carson Wentz is gone from Indianapolis, and while they didn't make the playoffs because of how they beat up Buffalo, I am slightly concerned about them still as far as what they do in their in their program. So for Washington, like I get it, maybe a little bit. You want I don't know if how much of an upgrade Carson Wentz is from Taylor Heineke, and that's kind of sad. Um, but Wentz is very injury prone. His arm has regressed. Um, certainly, he's capable, but he is not a long term answer. So a little bit confused about the trade. As for the Colts, listen, I I think the team showed that even with quarterback Carson Wentz, who was okay at best, they could still be a threat. Now, they collapsed in that final week and missed the playoffs, just simply losing to the Jaguars, which is unacceptable. But Jonathan Taylor is an absolute force. Michael Pittman is emerging as a top receiver, right? Um, If they just get a capable quarterback... Uh, they can be contenders. Now, that's the question, right? What do they do for their quarterback? Do they go after Mitch Trubisky, like you said? Do they go after Andy Dalton? Do they draft a Kenny Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, right? You know, is that going to solve their answers? I don't know, but they need some sort of capable quarterback play before they can be really, truly Super Bowl contenders because Jonathan Taylor can get you far, but him alone is not going to get you to a Super Bowl title, um, so they're going to be good, but I, until I, until they get a quarterback that is, you know, good or at least capable, I'm not as worried. No, and, and, and I, I 100% agree with you. Jonathan Taylor, like every running back, if you're going to give this guy the ball 40 times a game, he will break down eventually, whether it's this year, next year. You're just kind of rolling the dice there for trouble. But they are now one of those teams that officially, because they had to make the move with Carson Wentz, they had to get out of that $20 million contract, they have a lot of money to play with 
and that's where the trade market gets interesting for them. Again, every quarterback that teams want to unload will probably call the Colts and say, hey, do you have any interest in Sam Darnold for a year? Do you have any interest in Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you have any interest in, you know, we'll see whoever that Jerry Goff. I have no idea, but the draft hurts the Colts because there isn't really a top, top guy. But they don't have a first-round pick anyway, but they got some cap space, so we'll see what they do. But I think it's, I think it's tomato, tomato. I'm I'm – like you, I'm a little concerned about Denver, but they gave up a lot to get him. Russell Wilson, the last couple of years, I think he's not the same Russell Wilson. He's turnover prone. He had his first injury of his career. The Colts, on the other hand, now they've officially said, we're not going to have Carson Wentz next year. Now you just got to kind of wait and see what they do because they are a team that has everything else around them that has capabilities to go far if they get capable play there. All right, Jordan, let's get off these other teams, these non-Billsian teams, and go to something that I am very passionate about, and that is Jordan Davis, <laughs> the Combine. Yeah. And I know this is not Bill's news for everybody, but it is for me, Jordan, because I'm the one that said I want Jordan Davis no matter what. I want to be, Brandon Bean, to be like Kevin Costner holding his little sticky pad that says Jordan Davis no matter what. Don't, don't overthink this. However, at 25 the Bills are going to be in trouble to get him because Jordan Davis, a 330-pound mammoth of a man, uh, he ran a 4.79 at the Combine Ooh. for a 40-yard dash. That He ran faster than Patrick Mahomes did at Patrick Mahomes' Combine for the 40. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say other than I'm pretty sure that seals it that he ain't going to make it to 25. Nope. <laughs> no, he's gone. got dashed right there. Um, I'm still optimistic the rest of the NFL will do stupid things, but mm. uh, that may be the most impressive 40 time that I've ever heard of. And Jordan Davis is, yeah, he's going to be very high in the draft is my estimation now. There are all these, like, every single player from different positions just did incredible in the 40-yard dash this year. I don't know what it was. I don't know if they changed the turf in Indianapolis, but these guys were flying from all different sort of positions from the defensive linemen to wide receivers. There is a lot of speed in this draft, which kind of has you excited for a lot of reasons. Um, Yeah, much like I liked Chris Olave, you liked Jordan Davis. Both did so well at the Combine. They're probably not going to be there at 25, unfortunately. I've I've been looking at mock drafts. Uh, Chris Olave is like up there in the top 15. Uh, same thing with Jordan Davis now. So, um, you know, that's kind of the um, catch 22 when you're a bad team. They're like, oh, wait, this prospect did really good. Oh, now they're probably not going to land at us. Barring, again, barring I mean, some sort of like, you know, weird. What was the the, the Dolphins player a couple of years ago who had a gas mask and is is Larry Tunzel? Larry Tunzel, right? Like a Larry Tunzel situation. God forbid. Like again, not that I want that to happen, and you know, have that happen to a player and their you know what's supposed to be the best day of their life. But you never know with these sort of situations. Stocks are you know we're still about what not even we're still almost about a little over a month away before this draft. A lot can happen between now and then, but. Yeah, it's looking like more Olave and Davis are going to be gone by 25. But again, you never know. We'll have to wait and see, but it's not looking great. 
It's not. Um, but you gave me a great idea, Jordan. I'm thinking we need to start sending gas masks to Jordan Davis and giving him a phone and yeah. saying, put this on social media. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Every one of the combines talked about how badly they wanted to play with Josh Allen. I assume it's the same defensively. Everyone wants to play in Buffalo. So just send your gas mask to Jordan Davis, I guess, and maybe we can make this work. But, yeah, he's not – that was, like, scary impressive, but I'm like, F me. There's no way, like, the Raiders are going to let him go or the Patriots and put him next to Barrymore. There's, there's, the Bills, to me, might have to trade up to get him if he slips into the 18s. But, again, you think of the idea and my idea of – Pairing him next to Ed Oliver, good Lord. I am very excited about those prospects, but I'm afraid that dream is starting to fade from my eyes. Next up, let's talk about someone who might be coming back to Buffalo very soon, and that is defensive end Shaq Lawson. If you follow social media or you pay attention, Shaq Lawson has been uh, recently showing videos of himself in Bill's uniform only, ignoring his Texans-Dolphins-Jet days, but sounding like he wants to run it back. And other items, there's been some Bills players engaging with him, uh, saying, bring it home, and he's been saying, I'm trying. So Jordan, Shaq Lawson is an interesting name. I think he can sign today, actually, because he was cut earlier uh, in the regular season, actually. Shaq Lawson is a very interesting name. Obviously, his best years came with the Bills. He got that money from Miami. He took it. It didn't really work out for him in Miami, Houston, or the Jets. Definitely a a high-character guy from what the Bills would tell you in terms of what he brought to their culture. You pair that with the fact that earlier in the offseason, like we said a couple weeks ago or last week, Brandon Bean said he's only confident he's probably going to bring back one of Mario Essen or Jerry Hughes. Bringing back Shaq Lawson kind of adds a little depth to the defensive line. Someone you know, someone who's familiar with this defense, and someone who's producing this defense, and and like in the postseason, I'm all for it because I don't think he's going to command a lot of money, and if money is the name of the game, you could get a lot of production for very cheap with Shaq Lawson. I can see this, right? Like, I I can see, right, the familiarity. I mean, Shaq Lawson, a fan favorite. Um I'm going to lean towards probably no on this move. And I say this because, um, you know, one, you've got the development, right, of Rousseau and Basham and Epinesa in terms of your young edge rushers, right? Not saying that there doesn't need to be help, but you're hoping those guys emerge. And two, I feel like if you're going to go after the edge rusher position specifically, because we know Brandon Bean is like, I'm going to load up on this position. I think if you're going to make a move, I don't think Shaq Lawson is that. Like, I think in that particular position, for me, it's you're either going to go big or go home in terms of, like, getting someone at that position because Brandon Bean wants to load up at the position. Not saying that Shaq Lawson wouldn't be effective, but I think if there's a lot more players that are... um valuable or tastier to want to go after than um, just Shaq Lawson. I think Shaq Lawson is adequate. I think he's good, but um, I don't know if it's the move I would make. It, it, the, the best part about it is to be a cheap move in which the Bills, you know, they don't have a lot of cap space. So, you know, it may just be that they go for Shaq Lawson because that's just all they can do. But I feel like this is the one position where they might go big or go home. 
because there are some free agents out there that they could really try to swing after if they really want to make an impact on that front line. 100% agree, and you're segueing very well into our next topic because I agree. I think Jack Lawson is your cheap defensive end who's a veteran who knows the system, who can produce in the system, but you're not necessarily going to block other people. He's a good rotational guy, especially if you say hypothetically you can't bring back Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison and you miss out on other things. Jerry Hughes, a guy, a veteran who knows what he's doing, can come in, part of that rotation, can definitely offer you a lot. But he's definitely not a guy that's going to be on that first rung of free agents that you're going to see in the tampering period. So I think you can wait and see what the market does with some of the other guys if you want to shoot your shot. And speaking of shooting your shot, SI.com reported this week a story that's getting a lot of buzz that a major free agent has reached out to the Bills that they are very interested in signing with Buffalo. But they want to give names. So they just leave you to speculation. The the caveat here is they're trying to also say, regardless of who it was or wasn't, whether they sign or don't sign, what's important here is people want to come to Buffalo, which I think is is important. I mean, you're not going to overpay for Mario Williams, you know, to come to Buffalo anymore. People know that you want to win a Super Bowl. I think Russell Wilson going to the Broncos helps the Bills' free agency cause because if you're a free agent. Yeah, you could go to Denver, you go to Kansas City, but like you said, that's a murderer's row out there in the AFC West. The AFC East, a little lighter, a little more certain to this point that the Bills are probably going to be favorites to win the division, probably going to be in the wild card hunt even more so. But nonetheless, I want to get your take, Jordan. The story came out. I'll tell you, I could give two craps because I could have written a story saying somebody wants to come to Buffalo. They're important. Trust me. I'm not going to tell you who, and if it doesn't happen, that's not my fault. It's like, okay, thanks for nothing, Chief. But that being said, just for the fun of a podcast, who do you think it was? I think the name that makes the most sense is probably Chandler Jones. Um, Remember, Chandler Jones grew up in Rochester, uh, went to college at Syracuse. You know, he's got roots back you know, in upstate New York. Um, I, I think that's the name that makes the most sense. You know, it's a move that, one, he wants to play for a contender. Two, he'd be coming home, essentially, by playing in Buffalo. You know, his family, Rochester, is only like an hour or so outside of Buffalo. Um, so I, I think the Chandler Jones name is the one that makes the most sense. Um the question is, can they make the money work to get a Chandler Jones? Because we were talking last year about maybe J.J. Watt to Buffalo. That one was a little bit more of a stretch, but I see the connections with Chandler Jones. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, there's there's reasons beyond just winning that might want to bring Chandler Jones to Buffalo. Um, he's probably going to command a lot of money, and this is the kind of move that if I'm Brandon Bean, if you can make the money work, I'm going for it. Because you add Chandler Jones, who has been quietly one of the best sackers in the past, like like edge rushers in the league. It doesn't get enough love for some reason. Like, dude is just racking up sack, like 20-plus sacks every season or, or, you know, close to that every season. To bring that kind of production to the defense is just absolutely game-changing if they can somehow make this happen. Um, so my best guess is Chandler Jones. It just makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. The money is where the problem's going to come into. 
is there going to be enough money to bring him in, even on a, like a one-year deal, you could be talking upwards of 20 or, you know, I don't know, what, 15, 20 million dollars for one season for Chandler Jones. It's a lot of money for a team that doesn't have a lot to spend. I agree with you. I, I was going to say Chandler Jones would be my guy. I'm, I'm hard-pressed to find another veteran that would fit what you're thinking the story's about. Von Miller's a name that you want to say, but he's hinted of interest going back to Denver even before Russell Wilson signed. I have to imagine that that's probably stronger now to go back to where his career started in the NFL. Chandler Jones, another thing, he's coming, like you said, coming back home. I think the Rochester connection's real. The fact that the Bills do rotate eight, nine, ten defensive linemen per game will keep him fresh throughout the season. He's going to be in a good defense that's going to likely get him a lot of sacks, especially if Ed Oliver takes even yet another step in production. Um, yeah, Chandler Jones feels like the person. There's, there should be smoke around him. There should be rumors he's not franchise tagged. So he's out there. He's ready to go, and he's going to command a lot of money. If he wants to take less to come back to Buffalo area and try to win the Super Bowl again in the AFC East, then I think the Bills can make it work. But this is one of those. You see if you can get them, and if you can't, maybe Shaq Lawson's your cheap alternative. Definitely not as splashy, but you get the point. You can spend all $20 million on him. Don't worry about uh, you know Shaq Lawson after that. I think you're all set. Um, all right, Jordan. Next up, and let's get to some real stuff, and that is our favorite mock. Mock! Yeah! Ing! Yeah! Bird! Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, Mockingbird, don't everybody have you heard? This week we go to USA Today, the sports section. Nate Davis has a post-Russell Wilson trade mock draft that he published on March 9th. That's what we're looking at. It's going to feed into our uh, positional breakdown, hint, hint. But anyway, the first thing that he starts off with is the Jacksonville Jaguars going with Ace Hutchinson from Michigan. Maybe a surprise to some, not really to me, because while the offensive linemen get a lot of, they really should take one because they have Trevor Lawrence. I think Aiden Hutchinson is just a monster defensively, and you pair him and Josh Allen, and woof, that's a uh, very nice Jacksonville Jaguars defense that you're forming there. No problems with that. They have the Jets trading up to get uh, Ikem Ikewanu, the offensive lineman for NC State. Maybe. I don't see the Jets trading up just because they need a lot of things. So trading up for one person seems silly. Evan Neal goes to the Texans. Then you got the Lions taking Kyle Hamilton. Let's just go to the fun, sexy things real quick. Steelers trading up for the Giants to take Malik Willis from Liberty. Please, by all means, go for it, Pittsburgh. That's, that's, that'd be okay with us. Um Scrolling down, I'm getting all the way to 13, where the Browns take Jordan Davis. Uh, again, Jordan Davis's combine was impressive. It would not shock me if someone in, like the Browns at 13 would take him. Um, and then you get to, let me see if I can find one more quarterback before handing it off to you, Jordan. Oh, there he is, the Saints take small hands. Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh at 18. <laughs> to me, Small hands means you're undraftable if you know anything about throwing spirals, right? E.J. Manuel was a first-rounder because of how big his palms were. Um, Jordan, what are your thoughts on this mock draft as we get closer and closer to the Buffalo Bills pick? Well, before I get there, um, you know, Daniel, how the start of the episode you were talking about baseball, um, 
Well, good news for you. This is breaking news. Jeff Passon reporting that the the league and player association has reached a tentative agreement and baseball is back. So there you go, Daniel, your Cleveland Guardians are going to play some baseball, baby. Uh, so I uh, wanted to share that news with you. How funny uh, the universe listens and makes things happen. So, uh, yay, baseball back. Um, to- so, so glad the millionaires and billionaires worked out their issues for money. I yeah. feel better now. Hooray! Yay! Everyone gets money and not us. Um so, listen, this mock draft, right, you talk about, um, again, the, the quarterbacks you're talking about, right, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, seem like the only two that are going to probably be, I wouldn't say locks, but pretty much near locks in terms of quarterbacks going in the first round. I don't see any others besides those two. Um, right, Jordan Davis, we talked about not being there at 25, all kind of makes sense. Um, this is... You know, as we're getting closer and closer, we're seeing more of a formidable idea of certain prospects going in certain areas. And it seems like it's starting to, you know, like wet cement, starting to dry and being a little bit more concrete as we get closer. Exactly. And then you get Jamison Williams to the Patriots right before the Bills. You get a couple other guys. And then the Bills take a 25. I think we've actually had a mock with this player before, but it is interesting. But we didn't like it for the the write-up last time. I think so the Bills at linebacker would take Nicobe Dean from Georgia at 25 in this mock draft. It's interesting because linebacker, like I said, this is the second time we've seen linebacker, the first time we discounted because the write-up was like, Tremaine Edmonds has been this huge bust, right? And we're like, eh, no, if that's your rationale, no. I am not saying that the Bills are not going to maybe look into doing something with Tremaine Edmonds. But that being said, he's definitely he's far from a bust, and I am perfectly okay with them re-signing him. I think he's a very, very good player. I, I am a little bit eh, – I need some education on the anti-Tremaine Edmonds talk that I hear from like some of Bill's mafia. But nevertheless, they go with Kobe Dean here. What still makes this a good pick to me is if you're going best player available and he's your best player, you let A.J. Klein walk. This is a guy that can come in command that inside linebacker position, play multiple linebacker positions, won a national title. Because there are starters in Milano and Edmonds, this gives you time to work at the Edmonds long-term deal. If something doesn't come up, you already have someone in the pipeline. Very, very, very good linebacker. He fits what Sean McDermott wants to do defensively. One caveat to this mock that I don't like, Nicobe Dean, fine. Like I'm, If that's your best player available is you're not going to have a hard time selling me on him. Granted, there's other needs, right? Granted, you're looking at cornerback. You're looking at offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, and I get it. The problem I have with this, if you're going linebacker, I would personally rather take Devin Lloyd over Nicobe Dean. And in this mock draft, the Titans pick Devin Lloyd at 26. And then I believe your boy, Chris Olave, goes after that to the Packers at 28. So given the other players on the board is why I'm kind of like, eh, meh on this. But that being said, I'd be fine with Kobe Dean. Uh, it'd be okay. I mean, right. I would prefer Devin Lloyd because to us, we agree that he's the top linebacker in this class. So if they're going to go that route, go with a Devin Lloyd. But I maybe just, I haven't seen enough of the Kobe Dean that maybe I'm being short sighted, but to be honest, I'm kind of just like, meh, at that position. 
to be honest, in terms of the Bills going after any players in the first round. So it's sort of, it, it kind of just doesn't do well for me. It, I, this mock draft, I'm like, I feel meh. I feel meh about it. And, and it's just sort of like, I feel like this is one of those mock drafts that are like, this is probably expected. Um, but also, this is not something that excites my, um, you know, mock draft brain, so to say. And then that's fine. He's not sitting a, he's not a walk-in starter. But Milano and Edmonds have both missed time. You're giving up Klein. To me, you can't just forget about the linebacker position and rely on Dotson back there. That's not going to fly in my humble opinion about what the Bills need to do. That being said, it, it isn't sexy, but I want Brandon Bean to go best player available. I want the top talent. You're getting less talent when you're at 25 versus where you're picking earlier in your life as a Bills fan, kind of in that top 15. But don't let positions of need just sway you to reach. You don't need a quarterback. So you don't need to do that. That's why I'm like, yeah, everyone, take all the quarterbacks. Take small hands. Take Malik Willis. Take whoever you want. Doesn't matter. Keep them coming. Uh, Sam Howell's out there. He's really good. It doesn't matter to me. But I do not need the Bills to reach for a wide receiver because everyone is fast. I don't need the Bills to take a running back in the first round. I think we agree. There is no running back in the first round that you're like, yeah, if you take them, we're fine. It ain't there. But take best player available and see what happens. I'm good with that. So understandable, lackluster, my favorite mock, but I'm also easing us into the hopefully monumental amount of offensive linemen that will be mocked very soon. All right, Jordan, let's go to our position breakdown. Speaking of offensive linemen, we are going to do the offensive tackle this week, and we're going to do outside linebackers. Since we're talking defense, since we talked to Kobe Dean at linebacker, let's start with defense this time. The Bills' outside linebacker position, if you look at their depth chart, there are two of them. There is Matt Milano, and there is Andre Smith. That is it. Granted, when you look at potentially what you consider an outside linebacker, you have to be careful because you will have these hybrid guys like Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison that sometimes play linebacker, sometimes play defensive end. So it can go either way, but A.J. Klein would have qualified as an outside linebacker. He is now officially out there. So Jordan, looking at this, obviously they cut A.J. Klein, so they have no real vacancies there. Let's start with free agency. Who do you think is of interest to the Bills when we enter free agency? And again, you can go defensive end if you want. Outside linebacker is a real, really weird hybrid position. Um, so go any way you want to go with it. I mean, okay. So in terms of free agents, right? So like, for example, Chandler Jones, we think of him as defensive end, but listed as an outside linebacker, right? That hybrid player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Von Miller being the same to as well. Um you know, it's not a name that I think anyone cares about, but as a special teamers, um, and only because I have an experience with him in Syracuse, uh, Zaire Franklin from the Colts, um, not a name that is exactly a big time player, but big special teams contributor and a very good special teamer at that. Um, and he's got great leadership skills. So if you're looking for someone on the cheap for special teams, um, would love to bring Zaire Franklin back to the state of New York. But I feel like this is the position where they're going to go big or go home, right? You know, um, yes, they could use some depth 
I think they could address it in the draft if that's where they really need to. But if they want to go get a player like Chandler Jones or Vaughn Miller, um, this would be where you go do it. You know, there's also Mevin, Melvin Ingram um, as another name to you as well. But for me, like I said, this is the position where um, if you're going to make a splash in free agency, this is the move um, to really shore up a defense and make it a nightmare um, more so and build off of what was, at least in the regular season, the number one defense in the league. Yeah, this is the Chandler Jones position for me. Again, like you said, he's listed as outside linebacker. He's going to play more defensive end, kind of that hybrid role, but he's going to do a little bit of everything. I, it's go big or go home. I feel like this is Chandler Jones' kind of moment with the Bills. The Bills can make the money work. There's a place where he's going to get his, but you, he, it's hard for me to predict that he's going to take some sort of hometown discount because he's the guy that when all the people around him in Arizona were signing, like, hey, what about me? You know, I, if money wasn't a thing, I don't think he'd be saying that as the Cardinals were signing free agents to get better. So it seems like Chandler Jones, I do like Zaire Franklin. I think that's a very interesting name. The name that I kind of like is kind of an under-the-radar one might be Kamu Greger Hill from Houston. Let's not sleep on the fact that Brian Gain, formerly of the Houston Texans, is still one of the big guys in the Bills front office. Greger Hill had a pretty decent season with the Texans. You bring him in, not asking him to do as much as a starter, but with all those snaps, with all those tackles, I think he can be a very serviceable replacement for A.J. Klein and relatively cheaper. So let's go to the draft. And now Jordan, outside linebacker again, you can go defensive end. You can go outside linebacker. I'll try to stick my best outside linebacker. We've mentioned the Kobe Dean. I, I, I also, just on the surface between us, I have a hard time seeing them draft this position very high. They've done it in the past in terms of they've, they've used the late-round picks on linebackers, and they've got limited production from it. They hit, obviously, on Matt Milano late in the draft. They could try to do it again, so just a couple of names, but I don't expect a lot of first-dayers. I do like a DeMarco Jackson from Appalachian State. I think he's an interesting one. I do think Jeremiah Moon from Florida has some potential downhill capabilities to be a good run stuffer because he lost that with A.J. Klein. And the name that I will like, but I don't really want the player because of the name, Riley Wimpy. I don't Aww. want Wimpy as my linebacker. Wimpy, Wimpy, Wimpy. You know, the what was the Brawny commercial? Um, yeah, I feel like we've already exhausted, you know, talking about Devin Lloyd and Nicobe Dean. Um, again, I looked at Christian Harris as a linebacker, too, as well. That's an interesting name. Again, this is a position that, again, it's probably going to be a late one in terms of any picks. So me kind of rattling off of any sort of late-round linebackers would be a little bit foolish. But um, I will say that, you know, again, this is going to be a very interesting position as we talk about next week. Again, as free agency comes about things will get a lot more clearer in the essence of figuring out, you know, um, who falls where. But um, I, I think that if they're going to address this position, it might just be with Devin Lloyd if he falls and might go in that best player available category again if he's on the board. And that's right. I think that's who I want them to go with, but it's not going to be a, a top first day, maybe even second day position on someone drastic falls. Next up, 
the offensive tackle position. This one is very interesting. You have two second-year tackles in Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle. Spencer Brown looked decent at times at right tackle, got exposed at other times. You assume that the Bills are going to give him a shot to win that job right off the bat. It's his natural position. It makes sense. Daryl Williams counts as a right tackle, but when Spencer Brown is healthy, played much better at right guard. Um, Spencer Daryl Williams is kind of a cut candidate loosely, but if he's playing guard, I think he has some really good value. Deion Dawkins, obviously, is well-established as your left tackle. So, Jordan, let's go here first. Free agents, do the Bills have any offensive tackles in free agency that are of interest to you? Um. Well, I mean, there's interesting names, kind of, right? Like, uh, Eric Fisher is an interesting name. Um, I, I, I think that a lot of these names I'm looking at don't really move the needle for me. I mean, maybe a... Nope, I was going to say Nate Solder. I was like... Uh, there's the reaction of like pullback. Nope, that's probably a bad idea. Um, yeah, you could bring back Ty Niski if you want, um, but that's probably not a great idea. None of these names in free agency. He is big. Ty Niski is a very big man, as we are aware. Um, none of these names really, I don't know, stick out to me in terms of names I want to sign in terms of long term deals. Um, you feel good about Spencer Brown. You know, certainly was a very pleasantly surprising pick in the third round who performed very well. You hope that he can, can you know, can win the battle in training camp and continue to develop even further. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just looking at these lists. And maybe I am an ignorant offensive lineman savant, but none of these names that kind of I'm looking at, I'm like, none of these names kind of bounce out to me as like, ooh, the Bills should go get this player. They shouldn't because Bobby Hart's out there, and I think Bills fans will start burning things if Bobby Hart just magically reappears <laughs> in a Bills uniform. You know, there's a couple of names that are guys that are like, you know, is a Chris Hubbard someone that's willing to take a potential competition role? A Riley Reese. Um, you got to see what Aaron Cromer's kind of style is and who his interest is out there to him. Taron Armstead probably isn't coming as a left tackle. But to say that you can go into the season with Spencer Brown and nothing else is kind of foolish to me. So I look at some of these low, low-hanging fruits, like a Julian Davenport from Indianapolis, a guy who's played multiple positions, and that's the other piece of this, who is versatile, who can play multiple positions, and those are the types of guys they'll probably bring in to be camp bodies. But again, no one is going to make a splash that's going to say, yes, this is the guy. They're going to come in, and they're going to move Deion Dawkins out of his stance. I don't see that happening. But where I do see that as a possibility, Jordan, not Deion Dawkins per se, but someone who's going to come in and be a camp competition for Spencer Brown, maybe even Daryl Williams, is through the draft. And this is where I'm going to get pretty excited here because I really want the Bills to draft offensive linemen or address offensive line multiple times. I know they ended the season hot, but they were struggling to make me watch and enjoy the games at times because they could not get any any consistent winning at the line of scrimmage with the running game especially. So, Jordan, the draft. Um, this is where I think there could be first-rounders going to Buffalo. Do I think the Bills are going to trade up enough to get like an Evan Neal or a Kim McQuanu or even a Charles Cross? No. So after those three, who you got and who do you think the uh, is realistic for the Bills here? Well, okay. So there's a couple names that kind of stand out when you look at the overall position. 
Um, this name has been climbing up a lot. Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, also teammate of Spencer Brown. Um, but his his stock has been rising very fast. Like I've seen him in like the top 10 of, of some mock drafts. Um, so his range is kind of all over the place. Um, and then if you go down the list, right, um, you know, Rasheed Walker from Penn State at six foot six, three twenty gets me a little bit excited, right? Um, and among other names, you know, a Justin Schaefer from Georgia as sort of a late round flyer. Um, but Trevor Penning's an interesting one. Again, his stock has been going really up lately. Um in terms of just the linemen, right? You, this is going to be a draft for linemen. You, Evan Neal from Bama, Trevor Lindenbaum from Iowa, uh, you know, the North Carolina State offensive lineman whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce because uh, I, I value myself and making no mistakes. But um, who knows? Maybe some of these guys fall. Maybe a Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa falls and uh, a reuniting of him and Spencer Brown could be an interesting combination. So, yeah, Northern Iowa is producing some offensive linemen these days. Yeah, very surprisingly so. And I, and I agree with you. I really do like Trevor Penning as a as a very possible name, especially since the Bills have clearly scouted there in the past to watch Spencer Brown. You know they've been scouting him for a couple of years already. I'll go with it just because he's there, and that's Darian Kennard from Kentucky. You can mock me all you want, and I don't disagree with you on my mockmanship of the U.K. players, but I'll give you my loose, non-expert analysis. If you can play at a all-conference level in the SEC at the offensive line, knowing who's on the other side of you, then you're probably a pretty darn good player. It doesn't matter what team you play for. Um, you're going against some elite players in SEC defensive linemen. Uh, Darian Kennard, a big boy. Um, played multiple positions along the offensive line. I've seen him in the first round of mock drafts. If you can get him in the second round, I think that's a, a steal. If you draft him in the first round, there, there's a lot of expectation that he's going to start for you. I don't think he's that guy right out of the gate, but definitely a guy who fits the size critique um, and a guy who would be very good competition on a team in college that was a running offense. That's what the Bills need. The other guys I kind of like, Nicholas Petit's career from Ohio State. I do like him, and I also like a Sean Ryan from UCLA kind of going down the list. It'll be interesting because Aaron Cromer, like all offensive line coaches, has a type that they're looking for. Same with the Ken Dorsey offense. What's your type? Do you want the more agile guys? Do you want just the maulers? Do you want, um, you know, versatile guys? Not really great at any one thing, but they can do a lot of things really well. Um, you're going to have to kind of wait and see kind of how they reshuffle this deck. It could be part of the reason why John Feliciano was let go because there could be a fundamental kind of change in what the Bills are looking for in terms of the, the measurables of an offensive lineman. All right, Jordan, that is that. We will finish up next week, and we will have hit everything right by free agency. So beautiful. Let's go around the AFC East here and just touch on what the other teams are doing because it does impact the Bills. First things first, we start with the Miami Dolphins. They did franchise tag tight end Mike Giusecki. He don't like that, by the way, and I don't blame him. They really didn't throw him the ball, tell my fantasy team that. Um, the other piece of news from them is that Brian Flores' attorneys have denied the Dolphins' lawyers their attempts to settle his lawsuit in arbitration. He wrote the NFL a letter 
like, nice try, buddy. I put my reputation on the line. We're not going to quietly slip this under the rug with some sort of buyout. Um, what are your thoughts on what's going on in Miami um, on the field? I have no issues with what's going on in Miami off the field. It seems business as usual for the NFL and trying to hide um, some racist things they might have been doing. Yeah, what's the NFL and racism? Color me shocked, Daniel. I could not believe it. My eyes deceived me. How just shocking. Uh, listen, I think that, <laughs> in all seriousness, um, that there needs to be a full investigation, right? That the way that the Brian Flores firing happened in his time in Miami, um, Stephen Ross should not be an owner in the NFL, period. If you are, if these accusations, which are probably true, that Stephen Ross went to Brian Flores and say, I'm going to pay you $100,000 for every game you tank. He needs to go. You're hurting your product. You're diluting the product at the NFL. I don't care if you're trying to get a better draft pick. You're diluting your product. And thus, that is not grounds to be an owner in the NFL. Um, is it going to happen? No, because it is a boys club and you have to do something incredibly egregious for your boys to turn on you, essentially, in this uh, NFL Owners League. So um, will anything come about it? Probably not. Stephen Ross will continue to collect checks as the owner of the Miami Dolphins. And frankly, he shouldn't be, um, given the light and the circumstances of everything going on. And I I, I have no reason to believe why Brian Flores would lie. Um Stephen Ross shouldn't be an owner in the league, period. He's diluting his own team and value um, and thus hurting competition in uh, the, you know, in the entire NFL. He needs to go. No, what he needs is a few more logos of social justice movements on the field in Miami. Maybe of course. Maybe sponsored for the, for the helmets and stuff. This is an NFL problem. I, I don't think Stephen Ross is trying to settle this in a vacuum. This is just general court proceedings, right? Like, First, we'll try arbitration, we'll try mediation, we'll try counseling. If that doesn't work, then of course we'll go to court. But you always try these things, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with it, but, you know, it's, it just feels like this is the NFL norm and Brian Flores is taking a stand against the norm. Like, nothing is changing until we address this out in the open, and that's, he put his career on the line. And so, I, I support what Brian Flores is doing, but I think it's always going to be 100%. He's right. No, I think there's his side, their side, and the truth is somewhere in the middle, of course. But there is definitely some uh, history with the NFL. And because he went on that big of a limb and that big of a boat, he didn't take the $100,000 per loss that supposedly was offered to him. It's definitely not about the money. It's about kind of the longevity of the NFL and making this right for other African-American and minority coaches. So I support Brian Flores just taking this and at least getting things out in the open and then making the league having to address these things once they become public record. Next up, the New England Patriots. It's been quiet for them. They are definitely in the free agency kind of, what are you going to do? We're curious. Um, they released Kyle Van Noy again. Frees up a lot of cap space for them. But a guy who had some production up until Josh Allen just stiff-armed the crap out of him. Um, Kyle Van Noy is a very interesting name because he was a very good player for the New England Patriots, very good player for Miami. Then went back to New England, and I thought had some pretty good games. Another guy that, hey, maybe the Bills take a run on him at outside linebacker because he's got some experience in the division. You know him. You've scouted against him. 
And again, you're not asking to be a starter. You're asking to do what AJ Klein did. Like we might need to spot start, but otherwise you just back up and do special teams. Yeah. I mean, so again, the Patriots, like you said, we're kind of waiting to see Kyle Van Noy being cut would be, Hey, listen, I would take an addition of Kyle Van Noy any day of the week. Um, if the money is right, of course, um, you know, the Patriots are a team that need to build their offense. Um, so they're going to have to try to find space. Uh, I, I feel like they're a team that would probably want to do a trade for a big-time wide receiver in that aspect. Um, but, yeah, it's sort of like we'll we'll see where the dust settles after next week in terms of free agency, in terms of what kind of moves they go after because you know they're going to try to get a top wide receiver. Um, but this is just cleaning house, and I would not mind if Kyle Van Noy came to the Bills and on a cheap deal. I would take it. I'm with you. I would too. And he's a veteran. He's played in the big games, so you're not getting someone who isn't going to shy away from the moments when you need them in the playoffs to get you over the hump. Next up, the New York Jets general manager Joe Douglas in reports is quote more willing than ever to make a big trade. Of course, this might be weird for him, but it's not weird for the Jets when you got a lot of money. Just go big, baby. Um, so a question for you. Who's the biggest name that they could take a swing for in a trade, not free agency, in a trade that would actually move the needle for the Jets? Uh, me thinking about something doing good for the Jets requires a lot of brain power for me, Daniel. Uh, I was going to say... Let me put it this way. It doesn't have to move the needle positively maybe like it could be for our entertainment that would be good for the jets yeah boy i'm just they need everything i mean correct the i i guess if they want to if i'm just throwing it out there um it's not gonna happen dk metcalf just because the seahawks have already blown it up you know they cut you know they traded russell wilson they cut bobby davis why not trade DK Metcalf while you're at it? Um, and in some weird, sick way of trading Jamal Adams and getting DK Metcalf back in some weird one-two step. So, um, yeah, why not? It's not going to happen, but uh, sure. They might try to go after DK Metcalf and the Jets are going to be locked out of the room. Yeah, I'll be a little different here. What if they are the team that goes after Christian McCaffrey? That could yeah. be another one for me. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, you don't know what a big trade means for them. They have draft capital, they have salary cap capital, but they don't really have any roster capital that teams would want. So, other than the draft capital, what are you going to be able to move? And are they're not close? So it's not like Denver, where like, hey, we had to make a move, so let's get Russell Wilson. We'll give up a couple first round picks, but who cares? Because we got our quarterback, and next year that first round pick should be in the mid twenties. There's no one player, like you said, that's going to make the Jets a mid-20s team. So giving up multiple first-round picks seems silly because they're they're multiple players away. So, yeah, I'll, you'll say DK Metcalf. I agree, probably unrealistic, but who knows what's going on in Seattle. I'll say Christian McCaffrey because they've made it known they're listening, but they're not actively seeking out trade offers. And now let's go around the NFL to wrap this bad boy up. Jordan, let's start with the negative. Deshaun Watson. There is still the Deshaun Watson trade quarterback hanging out there for QB and ED teams. Uh, he's there, but his court proceedings have begun in terms of the witnesses are now officially giving their statements, I believe. 
Deshaun Watson's lawyer has made it known that he will be pleading the fifth when it comes to his statements in court. If you're not familiar with legal jargon, mm-hmm. that basically means I will use the U.S. Constitution to not intentionally incriminate myself with anything I say. As someone, Jordan, who for an after-school activity in high school participated in what, we, what they call in Kentucky teen court, I feel I am very experienced <laughs> in the judicial system. And while I know that the pleading the fifth is not supposed to be an admission of guilt, if you're a juror or if you are just a public perception person, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Deshaun Watson now is a very, very unlikely trade target for just about every team that has any sort of conscience socially with its fan bases. Yeah, what's says nothing more innocent than saying pleading the fifth, you know what I mean? As I, as a person who's innocent of crimes, totally pleads the fifth. Um, yeah, it, is it going to be disgusting to see him traded? Yes. Is it probably going to happen? Yes, because this is the NFL and teams care about winning more than immoral upstanding or a quarterback who may have, you know, sexually assaulted and harassed uh, multiple dozens of women. And especially for pleading the fifth doesn't make you feel warm and cozy. Um, you know, if I'm accused of something that I didn't do, I'd be vehemently out there showing proof. Um, so this is just worse on Deshaun Watson, and yet somebody's going to trade for him because they're like football quarterback. Who cares? Um, just it, it, nothing really matters. I'm not surprised. I'm not angry. I'm just sort of like, yeah, this is about on par for what the NFL is. You know, saying one thing and doing another. So um, there's going to be a team that's trade first Deshaun Watson. I will not be surprised, shocked, or chagrined in any way, shape, or form. Somebody's going to do it. It's just a matter of who. Exactly. It, it's going to be somebody, but it hurts Houston considerably because they were holding out for three first-round picks, and now the longer he waits, there's going to be more rust. There's going to be less likeliness that you're going to get that value. The Russell Wilson trade is, I don't know if that helps or hurts, is a pretty good trade in my perspective. If you're if you're Seattle, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, you should have got more, but Whatever, you know, we'll see what happens. But to me, Houston is still, they need to pull the trigger somewhere. Like you said, someone's going to offer them something. I just think you need to get away from this to Sean Watson and get a salary cap also off your books so you can do something. Otherwise, like we already anticipate, Lovey Smith is going to be out after one year. Next up, quarterbacks who did resign and who have not pleaded the fifth but they are immunized, and that is Aaron Rodgers. He is re-signing with the Packers. He made that official via social media. Reports are that it is a four-year, $200 million contract, $153 million in guarantees. It would be the highest-paid player in NFL history. Jordan, he, of course, had to refute those reports, that he hasn't actually signed it, and those numbers are wrong. But he is definitely coming back to Green Bay. More so than anything else, I can't decide what was more hilarious for my Tuesday. Was it that Russell Wilson went to the Broncos, and I just thought about Josh McDaniels and what he was thinking after like holding out for head coaching jobs for so many years and then entered a division that now has Wilson, Mahomes, and Herbert, and he's got Derek Carr? Or is it Aaron Rodgers, who you know loves the attention on himself, even though he plays it off that he doesn't care, and then his big news was completely overshadowed by a massive trade that the Broncos made. I couldn't decide what I liked more, 
But obviously for Green Bay, this is the move you had to make. And for Aaron Rodgers, you made Green Bay pay for taking Jordan Love. Good for you, but does it make Green Bay any more of a contender than they already were? It actually hurts them because now they have to cut guys like Darius Smith and other players that could have helped them outside of Aaron Rodgers because he was already playing at MVP level. They didn't get to where they wanted to go, so I don't know how much more MVP level you can expect your quarterback to play. This contract actually, to me, hurts his chance of getting a Super Bowl, but I don't think it's about that for him. Oh, yeah, no. uh, The Packers are screwed financially. Hardcore. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Aaron Rodgers wanted back in Green Bay. Um, Not going to lie. I thought he was good as gone. Um, but yeah, they they are just so screwed with money. Yes, they got the franchise tag for Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are back. They have to cut literally every other player. They just they just don't have money. They are so screwed with the cap and will be for the next, you know, foreseeable future. Um, but I am surprised that Aaron Rodgers wanted back in Green Bay. I thought he was as sure as gone. Um so I guess good news for Packers fans, but also um, be ready to be disappointed because uh, you're not going to have a defense because you don't have money to sign anyone else and retain the players that you already have. So um, while on the surface it looks initially great, it really isn't going to be in the long term of the grand scheme of this team because they're just going to not have money to re-sign the players that they need and they are going to be bargain shopping for a while. Correct. And next up is another NFC player. Calvin Ridley is suspended for the season due to sports betting. He bet on the Falcons in a $1,500 parlay while he was out and away from the team. He let it be known that he does not have a sports gambling problem because he only bet $1,500 and he bet on a team to win. However, sports betting is a big, big no-no in professional athletics. Um, So he is suspended for the year. Jordan, what's your take on this? Because there are a very myriad amount of views, a lot of people saying, oh, well, you'll let Ray Rice play in less than a year. You'll let this person and that person for their criminal activity. But sports betting that's now legalized and promoted by the NFL in many, many aspects gets a player suspended for a year. I'll let you go first. What's your take on the Calvin Ridley suspension? I I was literally going to say the same thing because, first of all, I get that you know, you don't want players kind of necessarily betting on themselves and playing games. Calvin Ridley wasn't playing. He was hurt. You know, he it wasn't like he was playing in the games. He was hurt. And he was betting on the Falcons, for God's sake. Like, it's that's a risky bet. Um, like, the league has promoted FanDuel and all this stuff. A, a year suspension seems just ridiculous to me. That seems way over the top. Right, like they suspended Ray Rice for two games initially for beating the absolute loving crap out of his wife. Um, but this gets a year suspension? Um, I think this is kind of, not kind of, this is ridiculous. Um, listen, I get that you don't want players betting, you know, in games, right, when they're playing. I understand that. Calvin Ridley wasn't even playing. And it was only $1,500. Now, granted, you can say, well, it's only this much money you shouldn't be betting maybe he shouldn't have been but like th- that is not a, a year's worth of suspension they have come down harder on players for smoking weed and betting than they have for domestic violence you know what i'm saying that's the part that i'm like so this doesn't add up like if you want to suspend calvin redley for a couple of games that's fine 
a year's suspension, that's insane. Um, so the priorities in terms of what the NFL deems as punishable, once again, is in question. Social priorities, I 100% agree with you. And they do get it wrong more often than not, especially when it comes to some of the accusations and the criminal activity that happens. And, and I know a lot of people say, well, they settled this or that. Yeah, but you settle it because you pay off the victim. And these are life-changing money that NFL players can offer victims in a lot of these instances. So, Jordan, here's where I come out on it. And it's a little different than you. I have no issue with the year-long suspension I have no issue or nor am I surprised that it was as big as it was. His $1,500 bet hopefully paid off big time because it lost him $11 million in salary this year. It seems ridiculous socially because sports betting compared to domestic violence and the other things that happen, they're not apples to apples. Like sports betting is, you know, what, peas, right? It's not that big a deal. But in a professional sports setting, if you slip up in any way and you – you make the results of the games highly questionable because of gambling involvement by the players or the referees or the coaches, then the games themselves are completely fraudulent and no one will have faith in any of the results and the entire league will crumble. So that's a drastic, I know, over-exaggeration, but that is why all of these leagues, not just the NFL, but baseball still hasn't let Pete Rose back in. Um, basketball with the referee that went to jail um they will come down harder on sports betting because it impacts every single one of the owners and players and workers of the league that the sports betting happened they also hammer it with the players very regularly they probably hammer it more so than they should because they should hammer don't you know don't do domestic disputes don't drink and drive. Don't do all these other things that the players get, you know, dinged for. Don't, you know, get massages to Sean Watson, like, never again. But they know that they shouldn't be doing it. It was kind of dumb on Calvin Ridley's part. Yeah, I'm away from the team, but he was away for, like, mental health issues. Don't know what the health issue was, but he was good enough to go to Florida, watch some football and sports bet on his own team, but not be there to help his team. Very weird scenario there, too. I guess I would just say I'm not surprised by it. I think it's a fine suspension, but that's me looking at it in a vacuum. You look at it in the comparison of all the other crimes that players commit and the ridiculous low suspensions they get. Agree. There needs to be some sort of recalibrating, but sports betting in the NFL or any league just really can't happen or else the league has much, much bigger problems than Calvin Ridley. I mean, again, listen, I agree. Listen to the fact that... um... I understand your point and I, I fully hear your point. I think sometimes, um, you know, where the league comes down, it, it it just is very questionable sometimes. It really is. And um, there's just no sort of guidelines. There's no principles. It just seems very arbitrated in terms of, I'm going to give you this many games, this many games for the suspension. Um, and it is frustrating. Um and I, I understand that they're trying to send us message for players to say, hey, don't do this. I get it. Um, I wish they would take that same sort of hardline approach for things that actually matter to things, you know, that don't affect their bottom line. 
where they do have empathy and they actually do the right thing and not because people, you know, pressure them to doing the right thing. Um, maybe that's me being naive, uh, being an NFL fan for so long. But I, I sometimes I'm like, where was this sort of severe, swift action when it needed to be for other issues? Um, you know, issues that were more justified, in my opinion. So I get that they're trying to send the message and I understand that. I just wish that they would, you know, have this sort of same sort of quick, swift action for other issues that, you know, are not just, you know, betting or smoking weed instead of like, you know, for other issues, I guess is what I'm trying to and wrap up this point with. Oh, I'm completely with you. I agree. I, I don't think Roger Goodell has been hard enough on players where players will call him the disciplinary commissioner. Honestly, DUI, DUIs for all the stuff that players have at their disposal that's run through, not just your Ubers, your Lyfts, the fact that you have money, cabs, wherever you are, the fact that the NFL actually has driver services for every single player in the league, they can just call, push a button, and there's, there'll be a driver there. I mean, things like that, that could be a year-long suspension for me. I'm fine just going crazy with it because you're making millions of dollars. There's a lot expected of you that I don't think the normal society folk like us need to, you know, yeah, if that happened to me and I lost my job for you, that'd be different. But it's different, I guess, just saying you're held to a higher standard because you're getting a lot more money and you're in the public eye. But I'm with you on that. I just, again, in the vacuum of gambling, I don't think it was uh, shocking to me. But Calvin Ridley is going to pay the price on this one, and he was a guy that was potentially in the trade market that changes the variables for teams that might have been interested, like the Jets or like the Patriots, um, maybe even changes what the Falcons want to do with maybe a Matt Ryan. Maybe you can get something for him because I don't know what their team's prospects are losing your number one receiver for the full season. All right, Jordan, that's all I have. One final thing is I will tell you the person that never would have allowed that under his watch is Dan Campbell. Didn't think you were going to get a full podcast without a Campbell blast. Of course. For you. All right. Well, there we go. That ends another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Thank you so much for listening. As always, again, we are on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio. You name it, we are on it at Two Bills in a Pod. Make sure you also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Two Bills in a Pod for our latest episode drops. You can follow us on Twitter, Daniel at Han, me, Jordan, at Osby44. We will talk to you next week and get ready for you for free agency. We'll talk to you then. See ya. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.